Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Dr. E.J. McKenzie on Blog Talk Radio. What has always been his emphasis? 
I know we, we, we're here to share in the areas of relationship. Uh, we, we probably get to some of that, but I want you to hear and understand this. Billy Graham's thrust has always been the Great Commission. It's always been his thrust. The thrust of uh, of Oral Roberts was healing. The thrust of Kenny Hagen, that at 80-some years old, was faith, healing, and prosperity. And the majority of the preachers today has followed that pattern. A. A. Allen, that uh, considered a young man, he wasn't in his 80s, if I'm not mistaken at all, or 70s, I don't forget, I used to know, healing miracles. Jack Cole, healing miracles. I think he died at 30 some or 40, 36 years old, if I'm not mistaken, 36 or 38. Um, Catherine Coma. I don't know if she even reached 80. Uh, Amy McPherson. All of these great revivalists. Here's Billy Graham. I have never known. It could be, but I have never heard of, uh, never known Billy Graham, uh, the flow and the gifts of the Spirit. I don't recall if there's ever been any miracles in this meeting. Never thought about that. I knew it had to be the Spirit of God to bring this before me. Now, am I saying that these other men's ministry uh, uh, was lacking? Absolutely not. Because many, many, many people's lives was changed and altered. But I want you to think about this, if you will. And I, and, I, and I know this is the Spirit of God. Even though Billy Graham did not flow in the gifts of the Spirit that we know of, that I know of, I've never seen it, I've never heard of it, Billy Graham had one of the most simplistic, and watch it, no deep mysteries, no deep revelation, like we, we, pride ourselves on knowing the mysteries and the revelation of God. But a simple, basic salvation message and hundreds of thousands has come to the Lord as a result of Billy Graham. No signs, no wonders, no miracles. That shows me something. You and I should be Looking at this, something is wrong, wouldn't you say? Something got to be wrong. Now, would we say Billy Graham was more powerful than these men? These men were more powerful than absolutely not. But if you if you if you look at the number one purpose of God saving us is for the Great Commission. Number one purpose. Billy Graham's whole ministry has been centered around the Great Commission. 
the majority, the rest of us, our ministries is centered around the prophetic, healing, miracles, faith, or simply the word. The word movement. The word of faith movement. The Copelands. The price. Uh, uh, the dollars. Uh, the hickeys. All of these people, quote unquote, is considered the faith movement people. Now, when I look at another man that flows in the gifts of the Spirit, but his foundation is the Great Commission, have the largest church in the world. That's Dr. Cho. He's a man of prayer. They got prayer mountain. People people come literally from all over the world to go to prayer mountain and spend time there praying and fasting. Dr. Cho flows in the gifts of the Spirit, but when you do a study on his life, or uh, not so much a study, but when you begin to uh, uh, do some research on his life, Dr. Cho's foundation has always been evangelism. Evangelism discipleship. He probably is what we call, quote unquote called the father of cell groups. I don't know how many members they have right now, but the last I heard was over 800,000 disciples, members. It's not about the, the size of your church, the membership. That's not the emphasis of what I'm putting here. The emphasis is these men. Number one focus, regardless of their gifting or lack of gifting, was the Great Commission. And God has sustained them. God has kept them. Dr. Cho, uh, 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 to me, is more like Christ from the perspective that Christ's number one job is to seek and to save that which was lost. But he demonstrated the kingdom. Dr. Cho demonstrates the kingdom. And that's what, to me, makes his, his ministry more like Jesus than probably anybody else uh, that I know of. Uh, we have uh, Apostle Maldonado here in South Florida. His ministry reminds me more like Jesus because uh, there's emphasis on the Great Commission, evangelism, discipleship. And other men and women uh, 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 in this nation, other nations as well. But I'm, uh, but I'm showing you something that uh, if we don't understand that the, our purpose of existence is to execute the heart and the mind of the Father, to execute the heart and the mind of the Father. And if we're not doing that, everything else is totally in vain, ladies and gentlemen. If you think, if you really think about it, everything else is geared around us. The emphasis is put on us. Now, let's take that into relationships. Let's take that into a marriage. Let's take that into a family. And I personally believe the reason uh, there is in, in the Christian family, the Christian family, 
the Christian church, uh, the reason I said Christian church because there's other churches that's not Christian, the family structure, the family unit, unit, the, the Christian church, when we begin to look at it, it is discombobulated. All we have to do is be honest with us and look. Okay. The majority, the reason the majority of our churches is like this is because the majority of our homes is like this. And the reason the majority of our homes is like this is because the majority of our marriages is like this. It is not flowing in kingdom order. When we begin to look at the structure of kingdom order in the midst of uh, the family, the husband, the wife, the children, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. This relationship, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is the pattern uh, for humanity. It is God's pattern for humanity. It is God's pattern for uh, a family. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, husband, wife, children. So that is the pattern. Now, when I look at Billy Graham, all he talks about is you giving your life to Jesus, loving Jesus, being committed to Jesus, dedicated to Jesus. Now, Billy Graham sounds like Jesus. Only thing that Jesus talked about was the kingdom. Me and my father is one. I can do nothing apart from him. Without him, I am nothing. It is the Father that does the works through me. His relationship, his intimacy, his order. He's not trying to usurp uh, the order or the authority of his daddy. He's not flowing in the Absalom spirit, trying to steal the hearts of the people from his daddy, the king, who God appointed as king. We don't see that happening with Jesus. Jesus is not jealous of the Father. Clearly, the scriptures say he thought it not robbery to be equal with him, but he took upon himself a no reputation. He humbled himself. Took on the form of servant and humbled himself to the point of death, even death on the cross. How do this relate to our relationships? He said, I come to do that will, O God, in the volume of the book that is written of me. I am here for no other reason but for you. No other reason but for you to execute your heart, to execute your mind, to execute your will. The husband attitude should be that of Christ. Jesus, I'm here. I'm not here for me. I'm here for you to execute your heart, your mind, your will. Notice Jesus said, I come to do that will of God. I didn't come to do the will of my disciples. 
I didn't come to do the will of humanity. I come to do your will. I am here to bring pleasure to you, Father. My meat or my food is to do the will of the Father that has sent me. That should be my mindset as a as a man of God, as a husband, as a father. I am here to execute your heart. I am here to execute your will. I am here to do your will, O God. That should be my mentality as the head of my household. That should be my mentality as the head of this union. This should be my mentality as the head of my daughters. It should be my mentality as a male gender. Every husband's attitude, disposition should be that of pleasing the Lord of lords and the King of kings. I'm here to do your will. In this marriage, I am here to do your will. In this family, I am here to do your will, O God. Well, what was the will of Jesus? Um, so the will of the Father for Jesus. Of course, we understand it was to save humanity, but it was not just to save humanity, but it was his, God, uh, his job to raise up a company of men to continue his ministry of salvation, his ministry of redemption, his ministry of reconciliation, his ministry of restoration, his ministry of restitution, it was one of his jobs is to establish a multiplication system that when he died for the sins of humanity, that and he go back to be with the Father, his ministry, what he started, can continue unto every human being on the face of the earth is born again, or I'll put it this way, has had a chance to hear the gospel of the kingdom, of the gospel of Christ, and make a decision to be born again or to reject it. Because we already know, according to the book of Revelation, everybody's not going to be born again. Are, are you getting this? So he established a system, a system of multiplication or a system of, what's the word I'm looking for here? Succession. Thank you, Holy Spirit. A system of succession that when he died, he's not dead, is continuing through those disciples. Now think about it. Those of you that have joined us with this, on this radio broadcast today, you are saved. If you're saved, and what I mean by saved, you have given, you acknowledge that you are a sinner and you need a Savior. And you have given your life to him. And I personally believe it goes beyond that. And I think that's one of the problems in the body of Christ is to give our life to him but never experience him, never encounter him. And 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 we have to question that, but that's not uh, the message for today. So he established a system 
of succession, a system of multiplication. And how, how did he do that? He poured his life into 12 men. Of course, we know Judas betrayed him, but another took his place in the book of Acts. But through those 12 men, there's 12 thrones that has been uh, was created, uh, built, or established for the, uh, those 12 men, for the 12 tribes of Israel. And most likely, each one of those men came from a different tribe, one of the, one of the 12 tribes. I never did a study on that. I'm almost sure that they came from, each one of them came from one of the, uh, of the 12. So Jesus is dead. You and I now has received the Lord Jesus Christ as a person and Savior, but we received him as a result of not with, uh, uh, directly with Jesus. Indirectly with Jesus. Jesus was the source. He poured his life into those 12 men. And I guarantee you all of us that has received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we can, we can trace our genealogy back to one of the 12, then back to Jesus. From one of the twelve, that's been gone a couple thousands of years. Now, how do that fit in a family? A man supposed to, and what makes it kind of difficult, it wasn't that difficult, with, it would, uh, I wouldn't say it wasn't that difficult, it shouldn't have been that difficult with uh, the children of Israel. It's because uh, they really wasn't raised up to be unequally yoked. So all of them went to the same church. All of them heard the same doctrine. All of them worshipped the same God. So there was a, a, a system of worship that was created for the whole nation. Now it's kind of difficult. We got Catholic Christians, Baptist Christians, Pentecostal Christians, Charismatic Christians, full gospel Christians. Uh, we have uh, Methodist Christians, Seventh-day Adventist Christians. Uh, we got all kinds of Christians today, and it wasn't so in, uh, under the Old Covenant. It really wasn't so under the New Covenant when the church was established. So it wasn't, it, it, it wouldn't have been as difficult to marry uh, then a woman of Israel, a man of Israel, marrying a woman of Israel, because all of them is raised up with the same values, the same belief system. All of them believe that God is Jehovah, Elohim, Yahweh, Adonai. All of them went to the same synagogue, unless they, unless they lived in a different geographical location. All of them understood the animal sacrifices, the blood sacrifices. All of them understood the tabernacle. They understood the brazen altar, the, uh, uh, the brazen level. They understood the table shoe bread. They understood the candlesticks. They understood the altar of incense. They understood the curtain that divided the Holy of Holies and the Holy Place. They understood the Ark of the Covenant and the Holy of Holies. 
They understood all of them. So it wasn't no confusion, that much confusion or division in a Jewish Old Covenant family, a marriage, because all of them was raised basically the same way and believing the same thing. But now we have, once again, different kinds of Christians. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? Satan is good, ladies and gentlemen. Baptist uh, uh, Christians, Pentecostal Christians, Methodist Christians, Charismatic Christian, uh, uh, Seventh-day Adventist Christians. So you got all these different Christians that has received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, but believe different things uh, to believe differently about Christ. And can you see that is a great foundation for chaos and confusion? That is a great foundation for an opportunity not to experience oneness. It's amazing, isn't it? So when it comes down to here is the male gender. Now, Cathy uh, was raised uh, uh, a Baptist. Uh, they believe you go to church, you're saved. Basically, that's what I get after I got saved because I wasn't raised up in church. She was raised in church, sung in the choir, mother sung in the choir. Uh, all of them had to be in church on Sunday. All of them was in church on Sunday except the father until uh, um, <clears throat> the ending of his days. He, he, uh, Gave his life to the Lord and became a deacon of the church. Thank God for that. And I'm sure he's home with the Lord at this present time. But, Catherine uh, went to church, but she wasn't saved. All of them went to church. Can I say, were any of them saved? I don't think they probably even know what salvation was because I think they believed that if I went to church, I'm saved. When I got saved, that's when I recognized that she wasn't saved. Because I didn't know what salvation was. I never thought about it, looked at it. I led her to Christ. So if you've been raised up in this all your life, you need an encounter. You need an experience with Jesus in order for you to change. In order for you to change. Now, I want to read a scripture to you. I'm talking to the men, then I'm going to get to the uh, women, or I'm talking to the husbands, then I'm going to get to the wives, and then if we have time, we'll conclude with the children. Notice this, if you will, going back to covenant. Genesis chapter 18 and verse uh, 19. Let me read uh, 18. Yeah, let me read 18. But my emphasis is going to be verse 19. Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. 
Verse 19, for I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household. Who is his household? All the slaves he owned. And his household after him. That they keep the way of the Lord. That they do what? Keep the way of the Lord. To do righteousness and justice. That the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. That is powerful. That is powerful. I want every man to hear what the Lord just said. Now, Abraham is going to be a great nation. But before Abraham become a great nation, Abraham must become a great father. He must become a great leader in his household. Let's go to verse 18 again and come back, if you will. Verse 18, since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations, he's going to become a great nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him which is actually talking about Christ. Christ came out of Abraham, the seed of Abraham. Now, watch this right here. This is beautiful. For I have known him in order that he may command, in order that he may command, in order that he may command his children and his household after him, his children and his household after him, his children and his household after Sarah, after him. And this is because we don't understand biblical order and kingdom order, religion, we can do a whole lot of good things. It just ain't God. And then God cannot back that. God cannot bless that unless it is the order that God has established for you to become who you are and people be blessed through your life. Abraham is going to become a great nation. All the nations of earth will be blessed in him. So he says, I have, For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord. Now, this is where the problem comes in. Just like the devil tempted Eve, the devil will always tempt women, wives. That's the devil's job. Will always tempt them and manipulate them and deceive them and trick them if they allow him, just like he did Eve. God knows that when you partake of this fruit, from the tree of knowledge and good and evil. You are going to be just like God. God don't want you to be just like him. 
Why? Because, Eve, you in a subservient position. Did Jesus think like that, that he was in a subservient position? He said he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Every wife should feel that way, not thinking it to be robbery to be equal with God. When a man marries a wife, she become one with him. Well, now she don't become, that's a process. From God's perspective, she has become one. But what the enemy would do calls her not to be satisfied with her position. One of the worst things is to marry an insecure woman. Because if the wife is insecure, it's going to spread over to the children. I'm going to tell you what I mean how it's going to spread over to the children. It's going to be manipulation. The children will be manipulated and deceived and tricked from actually following their Abraham, following after Abraham, because if I'm insecure, I want you to follow me. I want you to follow me. I've seen it, ladies and gentlemen. How I've seen this where women wants to uh, uh, have a certain image before their children. They want their children to see them in a certain light. I've seen this. So, so, uh, 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 they want if 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 something is said, something is done, for adjustment have to be made. They are highly upset because they don't want the children to see them in a negative light. The scripture says here that he may command his children in his household after him. You say Sarah. Who did God enter the covenant with? Sarah or Abraham? Abraham, not Sarah. So therefore, if God entered the covenant with Abraham, then everything is going to come through Abraham. Well, if it comes to Abraham, it's mine too. You know, well, if it wasn't for me, he couldn't have no children. You play in your role. You execute in your role. You're executing your function. The emphasis is Abraham. And and this is not belittling a female, a wife, a mother. Women are some of the most precious, not some up, is is one of the most precious creation. Tremendously valuable. Because how could a woman be less? For a female to be less, a woman to be less, a mother to be less, is to say that God is less. Because the woman is the, the feminine dimension of God. She can't less. It's roles and execution. But the devil is going to always try to manipulate a wife to do what he did concerning God. 
want to ascend to the throne of God and took a third of the angels like Absalom did. Ladies, wives, mothers, you are great. We don't see this mentality with the virtuous woman. That I don't know of a woman that's been saved one or two years having not read or heard a message on it. A virtuous woman. The, the virtuous woman, I begin to, again over here, I said going to be with the men for a while and come to listen. We don't hit this, it till these ladies now. Look at the virtuous woman. The virtuous woman characteristic attributes is almost identical to that of Jesus. Almost identical to that of Jesus. The father received glory as a result of Jesus. The virtuous woman's Husband received glory as a result of her virtuous, integrous life. Men at the gate called them blessed because of industrious, studious, spiritual-minded wife. The children call her blessed because she lived for the success first of her husband and her children. Not in America. The average wife wants the husband to live for their success. But we'll turn around and preach on being a virtuous woman. Are, are, are we getting this? Are we understanding, comprehending? Jesus lived for the will of the Father. The virtuous woman lived for the success of her husband. Because that shows maturity, number one. And number two, if the husband is blessed, she automatically blessed. <laughs> if the husband is elevated, she's automatically elevated. But today, there Many women is not satisfied. They want the throne as well. And do not live for the advancement of their spouse. And so that's what is an imbalance with our children. God sets the structure. God sets the order. The Bible says, now here's the Holy Spirit. The Bible says concerning the Holy Spirit. And John 15, 14, 15, 16, excellent Prince about the Holy Spirit, those three chapters, 14, 15, 16. Jesus said when the Holy Spirit comes, he's not going to talk about himself. But he's going to bring glory to me. All that is mine, he's going to reveal. This is what the Amplified says, beautiful. He's going to reveal no, he's going to declare, reveal, disclose, transmit what belongs to me to you, the Holy Spirit. He's going to talk about himself. He's going to bring glory to me. The children represents the role of the Holy Spirit. The wife represents the role of Christ. The husband represents the role of the father. 
Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The children should be so subject to the parents to serve the parents and not the parents serving the children. You see the satanic order. Wives expect for husbands to serve them. Children expect for parents to serve them. And it's supposed to be the opposite. So what happens when the order of God has been usurped, it releases chaos and confusion into the marriage, into the family. And now God has no access and God cannot prevail in the family unit. When the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to testify about me. How many of our children exalt and extol their parents? Tell their parents how grateful and thankful and appreciative. How many how many children testify to other children, to other adults about their parents? My father and mother is great. My father and mother is good parents. My father and mother this. My father and mother disciplined me. My father and mother don't allow me to get away with anything. My father and mother love me. My father and mother care about me. My father and mother is concerned about me. They have a biblical understanding of their relationship with their parents. And then people would turn around that don't has never heard it that way before. Sound like you kind of you worshiping your, your, your parents. It may sound like that when somebody talks like that because it's not normal in this realm, in, in especially in the United States. It's not normal. It's see see. In a way, it should be a form of worship because the children should thank God for the parents. The wife should thank God for the husband. The husband should be thanking God for Christ and thanking Christ for giving him the wife and the children. Well, it goes to the father, then come all the way back around again. Are we getting this? So we begin to understand uh, the enemy's ultimate goal is to manipulate, to alter, to change the order and the structure of God for the success of the family. Where men get off track is because a young man that has never been trained or mentored, and, and, you, and that's still without excuse because God trained Abraham. God trained him. God mentored him. He simply obeyed, didn't understand everything, and his life was transformed. So we were always trying to make an excuse. If I was mentored, every time you teach on something, if I was this, when I teach on something, everybody want to use the teaching as a crutch and excuse why they're not where they are today. And, it's, it, it, and, it, and it don't make any sense because we have the teacher, the Holy Spirit. We have God himself, the Holy Spirit. So when we hear a teaching on mentorship, discipleship, if I would have been a disciple, if I, this would have happened to me, if I had a man in my life, my father never was in my life, my mother was never in my life. Ladies and gentlemen, stop this foolishness. God is bigger than your father. God is bigger than your mama. God is bigger than you. All you got to do is submit and yield to him. You done gave your life to him in, say, 50 years and talk about if I'd had a mentor. 
if I had my father was home, if my mother was home. Well, you got the one that created your dad and your mama living on the inside of you. And that ain't the problem. The problem you just have not submitted to him nor obeyed him. Because God knows how to take what the enemy meant for evil and turn it around for good. God knows how to restore the years that the locusts, the canker, and the caliber, and the plumber room has eaten in your life and my life. God knows how to do that. And then when you talk like that, you don't even realize and understand you are dishonoring and disgracing God. You're telling God he's not enough. Because my daddy was this, uh, that this is why I am what I am today. No, you were born again, aren't you? Why do you want to blame your daddy and your mama for you being uh, 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 not reaching your potential or not being the man of God or the woman of God that God ordained upon and wanted you to be when you turn around and say you're born again? You still are acting like you're dominated by the lineage of your daddy and your mama and not the lineage of Jesus Christ. You are telling God that the, the grip of your daddy and mama's behavior dominates you now, and you've been saved 50 years. How did the Lord get into that? Either Jesus is Lord or he's not Lord, because when you talk like that, you are saying your mama is Lord, your daddy is Lord. You are saying they are God. If I only had this, if I only had that, if I only lived in this condition, if I only lived in this state, if I only lived in this nation, I would be better. You were born again of the Spirit into the kingdom of God. But I'm going to tell you why nothing has that changed, because you have not had an experience. You have not had an experience. And... And it's not that God have not put you in that situation to experience him. We ran from the experience because we didn't understand it. We want to experience him reading our Bibles. We want to experience him by prayer. We want to experience him by listening to messages. We want to experience him by all these religious activities. And the life have not changed. And been doing, and the thing that I, I can't comprehend, we've been doing the same thing for the last 50 years, 100 years. Insanity. Insanity. You know how you experience Jesus? When he tells you to give everything that is in your purse, everything that is in your wallet, give it away. Now, automatically, automatically, there's going to be warfare in your mind. The first thing is that you're going to start reasoning. How are you going to pay your bills? How are you going to do this? How am I going to do that? You just forfeited. That's why people never get to know him. Because he's going to tell you to do something that you cannot do. I say, can't you can't do? He's gonna tell you to do something that's gonna be hard for you to make a choice to do it, in order to experience him. He's not. He's not gonna tell you if you give all everything in your wallet, everything in your purse. Um, I'm gonna do this for you tomorrow. I'm gonna come through for you. He's not gonna talk. He's not gonna say that. Abraham, get thee out of the country of the father's house. 
And the Bible says he went not knowing where he was going. Not knowing what the outcome was going to be. He got up and obeyed, not knowing what the outcome was going to be. But we want to know what the outcome is going to be before we do it. You will not never control God. God's not going to let you control it nor me. Nobody. Nobody's going to control God. And when you talk like that and think like that, only thing you say is you want to be God. Because only God is omniscient. He's the only one that knows everything, the beginning from the end, and the end from the beginning. Only God. But that's what you want to be, God, because you want to control everything. That's how you get to know God, ladies and gentlemen. But we love a controlled environment. How could you trust somebody that don't trust God? You can't. God's going to tell you, you go and buy a brand new suit. God said, give it away. But he's not telling you what he's going to do. But you're afraid to give it away. Because you don't know what the outcome is going to be. You shouldn't care. You just give it away. Just obeying him. If I lose it, I lose it. This is how you get to know God. And when God turn around and bless you with five suits, better than the one suit you gave away, then you start getting to understand God, understand his ways. Are you getting this? How we got on this? Because God is speaking to our ready audience today. Because have everything to do with relationship. See, to be a man of God, God going to tell you to do some things like you told Abraham for you to be able to teach your household. That's just right. Teach your household after you who's after God. But if you have never encountered or experienced, only thing you're going to be doing is giving them some theory. Theories. Doctrine. But never Christ. Because you never had an encounter with Christ. You're fighting him. He's fighting to experience intimacy with him. Ladies and gentlemen, stop it. Just obey him. He tell you, I'm transitioning you from this job to this job. But the job he's transitioning, transitioning you to is making less money than the job you own. That don't make any sense. It's crazy. Can't be God. Yes, it is. Yes, it can. Because God would do that to show you and to prove to you that I'm your source and not the job. And God will start doing some things on that job will blow your mind, and you'll, start, you'll end up making more money, double, triple, than what you left. It's not the money. It's him. That's how you get to know God and encounter God. But we fight him. Because we want to be in control. We like to know the outcome. Abraham is going to teach his household, his children and his household. His who? Children and his household. 
And it's kind of fascinating. I never thought about it. It just came to my spirit right now. Notice he, he didn't say he's going to teach his wife, his children, and his household. He just said his children, his household. Why he's not going to teach his wife? Because the wife is responsible for following. And she will learn as she follow. But the problem, if the wife is not spiritual into an inclined, she don't understand this, she's not going to follow. While he's teaching his children and his household, that she would end up being an instrument of disrupting what he's teaching the children in the household. Because it don't make no sense. See, to follow your husband, you got to trust him. And men, your wife should not follow you if you have not proved yourself to be worthy to be followed. See, a lot of brothers listen to this, and they're taking run with it. Go back to the Bible. You heard the preacher say, you should be following me, but you don't let your wife in the 50 ditches, and you want to continue to follow you? You don't have a reputation that you're seeking after the heart of God. So we have to be balanced here, men. We have to be balanced. So when we begin to see and understand this, never saw it before, he says he's going to teach I know him, for he's going to teach his children and his household. He didn't say teach his wife. Because the wife should be walking one with him, even if she don't understand it. God spoke to Abraham and said, Sarah is, uh, uh, is going to bear you a child. Ten years passed. Then Sarah came to Abraham and said, listen, you told me God said it. I've been waiting. It's ten years in the past. Now go take Hagar, lay with her. And God calls a setback because he listened to his wife instead of listening to God. It's not listen to your wife. Listen to your wife after God has talked to you. That's the problem. Not listen to your wife. Listen to your wife after God has talked to you. Because there was another time when Sarah told Hagar to leave and take Ishmael. That time, God spoke to Abraham and said, listen to her. That time, God said, listen to her. Why? Number one, God did not previously speak to him and say, Hagar and Ishmael are going to be raised up in this family. God didn't say that. So when she told Hagar and Sarah, I'm saying Hagar and uh, Ishmael to leave, God never spoke concerning the matter. It really had to, be, had to be God speaking through Sarah. God said, listen to him. Release the boy. I'm going to raise him up. I'm going to raise him up. So it's not that God don't want you to listen to your wife. He just have an issue when you listen to, to anybody, not just your wife, anybody after he has spoken. That's the problem. That's the issue. So she should be following him when he's teaching the children in the household after him. That means she should be following him. So as she's following him and he's teaching the children in the household, she's actually being taught at the same time by following him and backing him because she knows that he's the covenant man. She knows he's the man of God, not by word and not by theory. 
not in the church and not in the home, but 24-7. Are we getting this, ladies and gentlemen? I see my time is about up. This is going to be the last Wednesday. Uh, been having this before the Lord. I'm just going to stick at this time. Uh, the last Monday, not the last Monday, the mon- Monday and Tuesdays at 6 p.m. We're going to stick with that at this present time. Uh, I'm in the midst of uh, restructuring some things. Excuse me. Uh, 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 concerning uh, evangelism and discipleship. Uh, which is the heartbeat of God. That's why you probably can tell when I started this uh, broadcast off talking about Billy Graham. Uh, God just showed me these things. It's been beginning to show me these things lately. Uh, the heartbeat of the New, uh, New Testament church, ladies and gentlemen, souls. Everything was it was about it was a balance, building one another up, evangelizing and discipling, evangelizing and discipling. If we don't get the discipleship part down, then we're going to raise up an impotent generation. A generation that is impotent of the power of God, impotent of knowing God, not having a knowledge of God, but impotent of the knowledge of God, the knowledge of Christ, the knowledge of the Holy Spirit. Know a whole lot about him, but has never encountered him. So we really got to get this thing down, Pat. I have a question here. You got to be real quick here. Uh, Evan, you have a question? Yeah, these people always um, um, making a mistake in touching their uh, um, the one button, and then when we click them in. They're not even listening. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> but ladies and gentlemen, I have enjoyed being with you all, uh, as well as Kathy, on the uh, Wednesday and Thursdays. Uh, uh, I think we, we jumped out of, uh, out of the block real fast and uh, and, and, and not uh, wait and, and flow into this thing. Start off slow. We just jumped out fast. And so we'll see how the Lord uh, work it out. But my prayer is that uh, these um, uh, evenings, um, these um, afternoons, I won't say afternoon, yeah, afternoons, has been a blessing to you on Wednesdays and Thursdays. Uh, but today is the last, uh, this week is the last uh, Wednesday. But you will have us on uh, Mondays and Tuesdays. Uh, we thank God for you. Tell your family and friends about our last Monday and Tuesday and uh, Wednesday uh, prayer line at 5.30 a.m., uh, let's get people from all over the nation, from California to New York, uh, from New York down all the way to Key West, uh, from Canada, uh, from Europe. Uh, have them to join forces and let God birth a mighty army that will birth in the heart of the mind of the Father in the earth realm. Well, this has been your host, Dr. E.J. McKenzie with the Master Key. We thank God for you, and we pray uh, that you will continue to pray for us and pray for the broadcast. Uh, 
and I pray that your midweek service, you have service tonight, if you had it last night, if you're having it tomorrow, some people have it on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, that the Spirit of God will join you, and the Spirit of God will lead you, and the Spirit of God will bring glory to Jesus. God bless you. We love you and appreciate you. Until Saturday uh, noon uh, at uh, 12 noon for prayer, intercession warfare in the supernatural. God bless you. Have a great and prosperous day.
Rita, please. Rita, I got an email from you. This is E.J. McKenzie yesterday concerning that you you all did not uh, see any order from me. And I emailed you back last night when I saw it and gave you the order number. Right. Uh, this was yesterday. I'm, I just responded from yesterday. This, you didn't send me another one. Oh, okay. All right. Let me see what I have here. Okay. It was placed on February 11th at 437, 23 p.m. Pacific time. All right, okay, I sent it over to Ashley, and I was still, let's see, what did she say on this? Um, sorry, I'm just looking for my notes here. No problem. Okay. 